morning, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, today is the first day of spring, or here in Oklahoma, what we call tornado season, where Mother Nature conveniently slips off her medication for the next three months, and we're here to deal with the aftermath of that. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here, and uh, the weather is good. My goodness, um, going to be nice and sunny today. So great first day of spring. Okay, so um, we are also in the season of Lent, and uh, Lent is that time of year where we um, prepare ourselves for the, the resurrection of Jesus, which is the highest, holiest day of the year, Resurrection Sunday, which is coming up very quickly. My goodness, um, here we are almost to the end of March. We are cruising along. Uh, we are taking uh, 40 days, roughly, to go through seven days Seven days in the text, 40 days. I'm going to preach once a week about something that's happening during that holy week. And hey, by the way, I was going to uh, remind you, on Tuesdays from 6.30 until 7, just a half hour at Thrive Space, we're doing prayer time. Um, everybody's invited, and whoever's there, we pray. If there's two people, we pray. If there's 50 people, we pray. The point is that we're praying, we're meeting with God, and so we want you to, to, to have that opportunity. Um, if you've, you know, got other obligations uh, and you can only come for 15 minutes, that's fine. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that we're there to pray and we would love for you to come and join us. So Tuesdays, uh, prayer time, 637 at Thrive Space. Love to have you. Uh, so um, the Gospel of John records <clears throat> much of Jesus' teaching in this short period of time between uh, when he entered Jerusalem, uh, the triumphal entry, and the, uh, his death and resurrection. And it's, it's almost like John is like cramming his teaching in. So there's all kinds, and, and like I've said this before, it's very rich, and I find myself often having, having to edit stuff as I go along. Um, because there's just too, too much, and, you know, like we were mentioning before service, you know, lunchtime rolls around, and everybody wants to eat, so I get that. So what we want to do is try to hit the highlights as we're going through all of this. Um, Jesus is comforting his disciples. He doesn't, they don't realize it, but he's comforting them, and he's challenging them at both at the same time. And so what I want to do is I want um, to invite you to John chapter 15 because we're going to look at a very important and, and an often quoted illustration. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, we're going to be in John chapter 15. Uh, I'll have some of it up on the screen for you, but um, I, I, this is one of those chapters you probably should just go and read uh, when you get home today. It's well, you should always do that when, you, when, we're, when we're talking about the Bible. But in this particular case, I think uh, you would benefit from this and to meditate on this. So what I want to do is I want to read a section of this, and then I want to pull it apart a little bit. And uh, be forewarned, I got my thumping Bible. Makes a great sound when you thump it. And um, for those of you who want to know, this is an NIV 1984 version, because you know some of you are interested in that after I did a sermon series on it. So... Here it is, uh, New International Version, beginning with verse 1 of John chapter 15. Here we go. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, or vine dresser in some translations. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord and we believe it. Now, this is probably familiar to you. Uh, In fact, I think we've talked about this in the past, um, in a past series, uh, if I remember right, a couple years ago maybe. Um, Now, Two, three weeks ago, I did a series uh, on the Bible, as I mentioned, and you might recall that I talked about context. There's different types of context that I try to to take a look at very seriously every single time that I open up the text, because remember, I I consider myself a tourist every time I'm opening this up. There are things about it that I don't fully understand, and so I have to keep those ideas in mind. Now, one of those contexts that we talk about was a literary context. Do you remember this? literary. And and the sum and substance of that is that you don't read certain types of literature the same. So you don't read poetry um, like you read a textbook. You don't read a comic book the same way that you read even a novel, okay? I mean, there's there's just different ways we read stuff. And, And so consequently, you have to keep that in mind. But there's also another piece of that literary context that I think is very important, and um, we're, we're going to take a look at one of those here. <clears throat> authors, these ancient authors, use certain literary devices in order to communicate things, certain ideas. And we have one of them here in this passage. It's related to how the author structures the passage. And it's really cool. It's really cool stuff. Uh, at least I hope you think it's as cool as I do. And so what we have is what is called a parallel structure. So we have a couple of verses that have the same structure to them, and I'm going to point this out. In bo- uh, each case, uh, Jesus makes a statement about himself, then he makes a statement about someone else, and then he makes a comment about the relationship. I'm going to show you this here in a moment. But this is really fascinating because this is the structure of the text. <clears throat> and I, want you to, I really want you to see this because this is just like really cool. So in the first section, verses 1 through 4, Jesus does this. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, here's the thing. He makes a comment about himself. I am the true vine. He makes a comment about another. My father is the gardener. And then he makes a comment about the relationship. God prunes, right? His father prunes. Does this make sense? So we've got these three elements to it. Now, if you look at the next section, verses 5 through 8, notice this again. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing which always bothered me as a kid, by the way, because I'm like, well, I can breathe. Like, only, be, only because Jesus lets you, okay? So, but in this particular case, he's talking about something else. We'll get there. But notice the structure. Makes a comment about himself. I am the vine. He makes a comment uh, about another person. You are the branches, and the relationship is remain in me. 
Do you see this? There's this comment about it. He's like, this is what God does. This is what I want you to do. But the structure is still the same. Makes a comment about himself, makes a comment about another, and then he makes a comment about the relationship, which is very interesting. I mean, it's a a fascinating thing to look at this. But wait, there's more, right? There's more to this that we need to take a look at because if you go into the very next section, we see this one more time. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, the structure holds. He makes a comment about himself. As the Father loved me, makes a comment about another, so I have loved you. And the relationship is remain in my love. You see it? You get the exact same pattern huh, there's a pattern here. Now, I want to make um, a comment here because he spends a little extra time on this idea of, of love. And there's this phrase, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, he's foreshadowing what's going to happen in a few days, of course. I mean, he's talking about um, death and resurrection. He's going to lay down his life because... Uh, in the very next verse, he says, I call you my friends, right? So there is some foreshadowing that John's doing here. But he's also helping us to understand something. And I was thinking about this. What might laying your life down mean? I mean, certainly, um, it's about, you know, your heart stopping at some point, laying down your life, dying for another person. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's what Jesus did. But I think it also can cover less. It's an extreme example that covers everything leading up to it. The question occurs to me, though, how are you going to give your life when you won't even give up your calendar? Ooh, it got quiet in here. Because I think what laying down our life can actually mean is not just about, about giving up our physical life, the, the biological rhythms and systems and the breathing and the, and the heart beating and all of that. I think, actually, it can mean as much but less in the sense of laying down your life is laying down your calendar. It's laying down your checkbook. It's laying down your agenda. It's laying down your hopes. Oh, and it's about laying down your fears. That's laying down your life for another person as well. It's more likely, in my mind, that we'll have opportunity to lay down those types of things than it is to actually, you know, die in someone else's place, I think. And so when, when Jesus talks about love in this particular case, he's really talking about giving, about giving things away, parts of yourself away, and your time and your energy and your effort and your, your attention and your resources, all of that is included. So when you lay down your life for your friends, 
Yes, it can mean one thing, but it can also mean some of those other things that you might hold very dear as well. Keep that in mind. Now, the structure here, of course, is quite fascinating. Um, but there's something that's left unresolved, at least in, it is in my mind. Um, because you have these kinds of structures, uh, I feel like there's a, there's a pebble in my mental shoe. <laughs> I'll let you think about that one. Um, but there's something that's unresolved. And, and ultimately speaking, um, we've got this really cool structure. We see it three times, which means it's kind of important. But the question still remains, what does it all mean? Because, you know, you can find something in the text that's really cool. Uh, and there's a lot of them, especially in the Gospels. There are certain literary devices that you're like, oh, when you see it, it's like so much fun. And, and the author's trying to communicate something to you. He uses the device in order to get your attention, to grab it, to teach you something, or to um, draw your attention to something that you need to know or see. And so John went to great lengths to structure it this way. So, frankly, what is he getting at? That's really the question that we're ultimately asking here. <clears throat> now, of course, it's linked to this idea of remaining. Uh, some of the other translations put it this way, abide in me. Uh, remain in me. Some of you might recall that from other translations of the Bible. But it's linked to this idea of remaining or abiding in Christ, which is being connected to him constantly. But again, the question is, why? Why would we do that? And the answer, I think, is found in his comments. L let me show you how this might work out, okay? So here's the, the structure I'm the true vine, my father is the gardener, God prunes. But then later on it says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Okay, how about the next one? I am the vine, you are the branches. We're supposed to remain in him. And then he says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How about the third one? As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in Jesus' love. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear what? Fruit. Fruit that will last. Do you see the similarities here? I've told this story before. Some of you have heard it. When we started Thrive Church, we wanted to take this idea of being fruitful seriously, but Fruit Church sounded really stupid. So we abandoned that name. <laughs> There's this pattern here. And the purpose of the relationship with God is fruit. What is fruit? Well, it's beneficial. Fruit is reproducible. Fruit is multiplied because inside of every fruit is the seed for more fruit. In every crop that you can think of, there is seed for more. I heard about a guy um, somewhere out west. He's uh, a well-known gardener in garden circles. And he talks, well, he happens to be a Christian too, but he, uh, he grows potatoes every year. And, and one of the things that he says, and he's very very vocal about his faith. He says, I find the biggest potato uh, out of, from every plant. And I, and I turn around, because it's the biggest one, and I use that for seed for next year. First fruits. He says, that's what the pr principle is for him. Because contained within that fruit 
Yes, it's a tuber, I know, but it's what's produced by that plant is the seed for something else. And so God expects, I think, fruitfulness. By the way, this is something fascinating too. In Matthew uh, and Mark, and and to a certain extent Luke, um, they will often talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. You don't find that very often in John, but you do find a lot about fruit. And it's interesting to me that when, when John talks about fruit, he's really talking about the kingdom of God. That when we remain in him, yes, we're fruitful, but what that is is the manifestation of the kingdom of God. And it's getting at the same thing because the kingdom of God is the result of God's rule and reign on earth, and so is fruit. It's about the same thing, ultimately. Those two things run in parallel tracks. God expects fruit. It's ultimately for his glory. We just saw that in one of the passages. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) This is often where the pastor pauses and he dramatically closes his Bible and he um, begins to, what's the word? Plug the idea of serving opportunities in the church. Right? The truth of the matter is we got lots of them. It's true. If you're looking for a place to serve, we got plenty of things uh, for people to do. Um, which, by the way, I, I'm going to mention this just as an aside. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get back to our regularly scheduled program here in a second. Um, <clears throat> we're looking for a kids director. If you know of somebody who would be interested in, in doing that job, please let me know. Uh, we are praying that God would bring us the right person for that. I think it's mission critical to Thrive Church, and so we are actively looking for that person. Um, so please be in prayer with us over that one, and if you know of anybody Let's talk. That would be good. Now, little uh, commercial aside. <clears throat> so we're talking about serving opportunities, but here's the thing, and I want you to hear this. <laughs> might be shooting myself in the foot, but that's okay. Frankly, I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind was serving opportunities in the church. Now, it may include that, but I don't think that's the only thing that it includes. Because if you've if you haven't noticed, fruit is specific. Um, if you plant an apple tree, you get apples. If you plant blackberries in Oklahoma, you get more than you bargained for. <laughs> Zucchini, too. And so I think when God looks at you, he has a specific fruit in mind. Now, it may include, you know, making coffee and greeting people at the door. It may include that. But I don't think that's the sum total of that fruit. I think the fruit is specific to you and how he wired you to your calling and to your gifts. So when you plant something specific, you get a specific fruit. So it is with ministry. Ministry and serving, in my mind, are two totally different things. Both are important, but ministry, in, in, in my view, carries more weight to it. And it is specific to the individual. And, and, and here's the thing that you have to remember. That ministry only occurs when you're connected to Jesus. 
He just went through that illustration about being in the vine, right? He is divine. You are the branches. Thank you, Keith Green. And so God has wired you. He's fashioned you. He's understood you. He's called you. He's, he's um, empowered you in a certain way to do certain things. And, and that's the type of fruit that he's looking for. So you and your spouse or you and your friends or you and your small group or however this is, you will all have different types of fruit that you can produce. But God has made you for that. But you have to be connected. Now look, you can serve anywhere. I got plenty of places for you to serve, but you know what? You can go to any church and basically find a place to serve. And sometimes you can even get paid for it. It's true. But here's the difference. You can only minister where God directs you. See the difference? We can find places for you to serve, but it's God who chooses where you minister, how you minister, with what tools you minister. There's a huge difference. You want to see the kingdom of God? Do you want to see real fruit? If you want to see those kinds of things, then you have to start with the vine. You have to start by being connected to it. If this makes sense. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. And apart from me, we can do nothing. Yeah, try ministering to somebody on your own. Try healing somebody on your own. Let me know how that works out for you. Any type of healing that I've ever seen, it's very apparent that it's God who's doing the healing. Any type of miraculous thing that we've seen, it's very clear that it's not the efforts of the human being, although it might be in cooperation with him, but it's really about God doing his thing. That's fruit. It is seeing the rule and reign of Christ on earth. It's the manifestation of that. That's what fruit actually is. But you have to start with the vine. And you have to allow God to prune you. (laughs) Oh boy, this is fun. If you've got parts of your life that are dead and not producing, you need to let God remove those from you. I'm just going to tell you, I've got some of those areas in my life and I'm regularly going to the Father in my, my time in journaling and saying, hey, are we going to deal with this one now? And sometimes he says yes and sometimes he says, no, we're not ready for that one. Okay, that means you got something else. All right. But you, you, you also have to understand that if you are producing some fruit, there's a good chance that God's going to prune that more. Why? Because it produces more fruit. <clears throat> my, uh, my in-laws lived in central, central Florida. <clears throat> they lived in a little town called Sebring. Uh, there used to be a racetrack. I think there still is. NASCAR race there. But here's the thing in Sebring. It's really cool because it's about two hours from everything. You can get to anywhere. The bad part is it's two hours from everything <laughs> because you get on the highway and it's, it's Walmart, Orange Grove, Orange Grove, Retirement Community, Orange Grove, Retirement Community, Orange Grove, and then there's probably another Walmart. I mean, literally, that's all it is. There's just Orange Groves. And what's really fascinating about these orange groves is that they've got these, these machines, <clears throat> and it, it looks like something out of a sci-fi thing, but it's basically a kind of a square thing, 
and it's got clippers on it on the top and on the bottom, and it runs down a row of trees. So you get these bushy trees that just produced a bunch of fruit, and then it goes down the row, and they all end up looking square <laughs> because of the way this thing runs. And why do they do that? They prune it so that next year it produces more fruit. It's fascinating. So we've known since human beings started to do agriculture that pruning things is a way of producing more fruit. You think God doesn't understand that? Right? So he's, gonna pr- he's going to prune those things that are dead, but he's also going to pr- prune those things that are alive in order that you would produce more. That's why we have to try to hold on to things loosely because God might have something else in mind. So you'll have to allow God to prune what you don't need and also allow God to prune those things so you can be more fruitful. You'll listen for him to direct and then respond to him and watch the fruit. Watch that stuff begin to grow. Now, I will tell you this. It's risky. Because if you want to follow God and you want to see fruit, there are going to be moments where you're going to feel like an idiot. It just happens that way. Why? Because you're fully trusting God to do his part. It's like we all have this thousand pound weight that we need to pick up. I might be good for 10 pounds. And, and Jesus is going to do the other 990. But the point is, I got to pick up my 10. You understand? And so the idea here is, is that nothing's going to happen until I bend down and start trying to lift that thing. But when Jesus comes and he, he lifts that 990, whew, man, cool stuff starts happening. And it's not about the cool stuff, but it's about the glory of God and being fruitful and saying, this is what I was made to do. This is what I was made to be. Now, this has nothing to do with your occupation. You, you might be a plumber, and you might have a, a prophetic gift on the side. God is no respecter of careers. I just am fortunate enough that my career and my giftings and, and my calling and all that tend to match up. Um, they align in this particular way, but not everybody is like that. The point is, are you fruitful in what you're doing? It was like Gabe just prayed a few minutes ago. It's like, you know, let's bring this to the, to the world, to bring it to the nation, bring it to our workplace, to bring it to our families or our neighborhoods, and the list goes on and on. But the point is we want to see fruit. But fruit always starts being connected to the vine. Always. There's just no other way to do it. And so if you think that I harp on being in the presence of God, there's a reason for it. I want you to be a branch in the vine and producing fruit. God, there's just some rich stuff in here. A great illustration. I'm so thankful that um, we're able to bear fruit, that that's part of who we are as a people group. And uh, my hope is that as you go through this Lent season, as you go and head towards Resurrection Sunday, that there would be this little part of you in your mind you're just saying, God, I want to be fruitful. I actually want to reproduce some of this stuff. God, how do you want me to do that? And then to listen 
I mean, really listen. See what he says. One thing about risk that I will say, though, um, before I leave this. God will inch you into it. He's not going to push you into the deep end right away because he's a good father and he understands how much you can handle. And he'll challenge you and test you little bit by little bit by little bit. And it's like a muscle. You're going to build that more and more. You're going to build confidence. It's called faith. And when you begin to have more faith, then you'll get more responsibility. That's how this thing works. Because once you start producing a little bit of fruit, you're going to get pruned so that you can do a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Now, hopefully you won't end up like a square orange tree. <laughs> but the point is, if, if you're bearing fruit, does it matter what you look like? Jesus, um, you're so good to us. You give us these great little illustrations, things that we understand. And then you've um, gifted these ancient people to write those stories down so that we would have them, that we would be able to uh, read them, analyze them, understand, and then hopefully apply them to whatever it is that you would have us do. Thank you, God, that, that you provided those things for us. And I pray, Lord, that the stories wouldn't end in the Gospels, but that the stories we would see happen in our own lifetime. That your people, um, the people who call Thrive Church home, would produce fruit, your fruit, things that you have in mind, that we would actually thrive, that we would live up to our name that we would produce things that are beneficial for the people around us, the things that are reproducible, the things that are good, and the things that are of you and um, just testify to the glory. That's what we want to see, God. So as we um, continue on with Lent, preparing ourselves for Resurrection Sunday, oh God, make us fruitful. And I just pray for every person here, as they listen to you, they would hear you speak. That they wouldn't be overwhelmed with risk, but rather just challenged enough in order to grow. So that they can be the type of Christian, the type of follower of Jesus that you had in mind for them. And I'm going to thank you in advance for all you're going to do through the process. And as we sing, as we worship, Lord, once again, Thrive Church is your church. You're the leader. Uh, you can do what you want to do. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and speak to each person here. Uh, visit them and um, communicate with them what they need to know, what you want them to know about you. And we're going to be grateful for it. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Everybody said.